this thing on? Welcome back to Lexi's Lounge, your home for mind, body, business, and marketing. This no-holds-barred conversation happens every Tuesday with new guest experts, raw conversations, and real tips for lasting change for your mind, body, your business, and your marketing. So grab your cocktail and let's dive in. Jamie, welcome to Lexi's Lounge. What are you drinking today? Thank you, Lexi. I am drinking a Topo Chico hard seltzer. Wait, what time is it? (laughs) I know. Honestly... (laughs) The only reason I have pulled this out at this time of day, which is 1 p.m., was because I I saw that you have some people that bring cocktails on to your podcast. So I was like, I'm going to grab a hard seltzer at the moment. Well, I'm going to go grab one, too. I can't leave you. Uh, Perfect. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. I got the the Vizzy. (laughs) Which one? Yes. This is raspberry tangerine (laughs) with antioxidant vitamin c hey we need that vitamin c this Uh is a tropical mango oh well cheers 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 (laughs) yes all right well you know i have to say my first podcast episode i took a shot i think and that was that was fun it was like got over the nerves whatever but i usually i record these like during the day so yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've gotten champagne once when I've done an in-person podcast, but I haven't, you know, this, I haven't had a, a hard seltzer at 11 a.m. in a while, so <laughs> it's, you know, it's going to be a good day. It'll be a, a nice Tuesday. <laughs> yes. Okay. So Jamie, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, who you are? Like, who are we listening to today? Yes. Yes. So my name is Jamie and I am a designer, graphic design, web design contractor. And I've been a contractor for about four years now, working remotely. Prior to that, I was living in New York working with a nonprofit as their in-house designer. Spent most of my 20s in New York City. Now I'm based in Chicago, but born and raised in Wisconsin. So I have a lot of Midwest love in me. Oh my gosh. Okay, so first question, what brought you from Wisconsin to New York? And then what brought you from New York to Chicago? What's the, the job? Yeah, so in Wisconsin, I was, I've ha- I had had a couple years out of college at that point. I was working at a cubicle job that I wasn't feeling very passionate about. So I was, I was in a place of searching for what the next thing would be. My, my story is like, so not linear. Whose is? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So I was in a cubicle job. I quit that to open a coffee shop with my mom in Wisconsin. But while we were starting that together, I quickly started realizing that it wasn't the dream for me. It was very much helping her achieve her dream. And so I was applying for internships at the same time as helping her get this started. And I got an internship in New York City with one of my favorite nonprofits ever. They're called 100 Cameras. And they teach photography to kids all around the world and help them help out their community with the profits from the photography that the kids take. So anyway, that brought me out to New York. It was an unpaid internship and I had no job plan, just brought a suitcase, didn't expect that I'd want to stay and live there. But I quickly felt like 
it wasn't wasn't time to leave after my internship was over. So it was quite a journey, but I ended up working and getting connected with another great organization called Restore NYC, and they help survivors of trafficking in New York. And wow. I became their creative director and was there for about four years. Then all that to say, I had been in New York for about seven years at that time and has a lot of nonprofits do they did a restructuring and decided to not have an in-house creative role anymore. And so that transitioned me to freelance. And so then I was working from home in this super expensive city. I was like, I don't really need to be here of all places. That paired with a breakup and also just feeling the tug for what the next place could be. I moved back to Wisconsin right before COVID hit. So the timing was actually really great because being in New York during COVID would be very, very, very hard. So yeah, I can't really go anywhere. You right. can't do anything. Right. And then I met someone in while I was living in Wisconsin and he is based in Chicago. So this past year I've come down to Chicago and we live in Andersonville. Where's that? <laughs> yeah. It's a, a lot of people know Evanston is like, it's like a suburb of Chicago. I hope Oh. Okay. the word suburb is a sensitive word around here. It's like, I'm not in the suburbs. Oh, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Because of the news. <laughs> sure. Right. Yep. So anyway, we live just south of Evanston. Okay. All right. So, I mean, you have lived in so many different places. I bet you've learned so many different things. Like I've never lived somewhere other than where I grew up. Like I literally live seven minutes from where I was born and raised. So I'm definitely a bubble. So when people like you are like, I've lived in New York and Wisconsin and now Chicago, I'm like, tell me about your life. <laughs> no, I admire that. I, I, and it would, things would have, you know, definitely have shaken out differently if I was more like that. But I, you know, I love my hometown. And that's really neat that you have created a life in many chapters of your life versus like, you know, my hometown chapter is very much like just growing up. And then that's Oh, I've never thought about it that way. I mean, I've always kind of thought about it like, I don't want to be one of these people that's born and raised and bred in this town. And we have multiple generations of us here, you know, but I mean, we're trying to move to Arizona. It's really, it's oh, nice. and it's been pouring down rain. You're ready for some so, summer sun. Yeah. I mean, I'll take 115 over this for another month. Sure. Okay. So that's so, the, long, the long story. Yeah. No, you have such an interesting life and I'm very interested now to hear how you got to where you are now, which is your design company, Pageless Studio. I know you said that you are a contractor. So what, for the people who don't know what that is, what is a contractor and what do you do in your day to day as one? Yeah, that's a good question. So I would say I would define a contractor as someone who is outside of your organization that you bring on for either a project based need or an ongoing need that you have. So as a contract designer, I partner in with companies that usually don't have a in-house designer or team, or they do and they're feeling really swamped, so they need extra help. And so it allows you to be, you know, have flexibility in 
the projects you get to work on, the types of companies, the types of missions that they're on. So it's a really, I really enjoy the variety that I, that I get to, you know, I get a window in on different teams, different organizations. So I enjoy that. That's really cool that you get to have some creative expression through multiple different industries that are probably a lot different than each other. And you get to like together. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. So Pageless is my company name and Pageless, I primarily work with companies that need marketing design help, whether that's with social media or email marketing, brochures, printed stuff, or websites. Okay. So let's talk branding. Yes. This this that very much interests me because I am in desperate need of a rebrand, but I feel like in my life, I'm just not in the place where I'm, I can say, this is exactly what I want. I would, I feel like I would be like shooting the gun too easily. So I'm just kind of riding this wave of uncertainty and playing with things. But I want to hear from your perspective for someone like me, who's like, yeah, I, I probably need a more refined experience, but like, I just don't know what I want yet. I'm going to ask you some questions from my perspective. Yes. Yeah, please. So what is branding from your perspective? First and foremost, let's set the stage. (laughs) That's okay. That's good. There are a lot of interpretations and definitions out there. What's yours? Yeah. To me, branding is the visual essence of your company or your vocation. You know, it, it can be a person, it can be a company, but I would say it is... Yeah, like the like the the sensory, like the mm-hmm. visuals, the the feeling, right? Would you say yeah. that the feel that like brands give you, would would you say that's part of branding? Yeah, I definitely I think that's a huge part of branding. In fact, it might be like for me, it's the headliner of what branding is, is the feeling that it's giving and that you get, even though that is like so subjective, there are ways to harness like the collective feeling of something, whether it's the, you know, color palette you're working with or the font choice, the visuals. So it's not just about the your font choice and the colors, but it's more about what feeling that you're giving off. Like if you mm-hmm. were to, it's kind of like interior design. I'm looking around my kitchen. And yeah. Right. But like where you put your couch, where you decided to place your island and what countertops you wanted. Like all of these things are essentially branding, but in a different industry. I think, yeah, I would say, so the feeling is just one aspect of it. Where it differs from in- interior design, I think, would be the now I'm like backtracking myself I I mean the other huge piece of it is the audience and the like demographics that you're aiming to reach and okay so how does that tie in how does your your audience and the demographics how does that tie into the to the visuals and the typography and the messaging and like everything that's included in branding how do we how do you yeah that's so good so the way that I look at it is the more you get to know your ideal audience you start to recognize the things that they're doing, the things that they're seeing out in the world, the things that they're buying into. And this stuff can sometimes feel a little like surface level, but like if I am creating a brand for for youth, for teens, 
to learn more about their health. Like I'd, I'd start to look around at, you know, what, what does someone like that do on Instagram? What are they, who are they following? Who are they liking? And what are some of the visual things that are part of those brands that are resonating? You can start to build your look so that it, it caters to the things that they're wait, interested in. Wait. So, so essentially you go to your, this is, this life, this could change everything for me. Mm. You go to your ideal client's Instagram page or somebody that you've worked with in the past or just somebody that you know want to work with or your ideal client and you look at the stuff that they are posting and then you take little bits and pieces of what you like about like maybe a style, maybe like a format, maybe you take something as inspiration and then you turn it into something that you're actually putting out for them so then it kind of mirrors themselves so it's like a psychology hack i think yeah i feel like you're getting it like on like the deepest level (laughs) but i yeah i would say that it still you know has to be very much real from you yeah because i mean we can all sense that authenticity, you know, as people out and about in the world ourselves. So if something is feeling like, oh, it's just trying to get marketed to me, you can kind of, kind of feel that. Yeah. But yeah. Go in and be like, oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. So like, yeah. So if you have a client that you really have enjoyed working with and, you know, when you start to get a sense of who you love working for and in the types of projects and the types of people you can use that to to create a brand for yourself yeah and so like from my perspective like page list i want to i really love and enjoy working with mid-sized companies to large companies that tend to skew a bit more professional and so i do have like playful elements in my branding but i also keep it pretty like a little like buttoned up it's not like too loose with illustrations and i don't know if that makes sense yeah so that's more your ideal client you want to mm-hmm. work with the people that are more like luxury polished professional button up mm-hmm. or like like you would like almost corporate yeah. right mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, huh, that's funny that you left corporate and then you're like, well, I actually, I still like it. I want to cater to it, but I don't want to be under their reign. Yes. Yes. 100%. Right. Okay. So I know something you talk about a lot is humanizing your brand. And so spinning off this conversation about branding, what is a way that people can humanize their brand, even if they want to, you know, be more corporate or if they want to be more floral and minimalist? Like how mm-hmm. do we in- human no matter what kind of branding we want that's a great question so i would say there are well there's a lot of different ways you can humanize your brand one is with the type of imagery that you're using so whether or not you have photos of you yourself or your team that are professionally taken let's say you you don't have time or the budget to to do that there are a lot of really great free to use stock resources out there that take pictures of just genuine everyday people. And that can be a big help in using that imagery for your your marketing materials. But let me backtrack actually a little bit, like, cause I know you had sent this question ahead of time. And so I was like, I'm gonna like take a few notes on what I think, like what yeah. is what is a humanized brand? Yeah. And so I would say it's, I wrote down, I was like, it's 
three things. It feels approachable to your audience. It's also accessible to your audience and the general public. I think it's really important to be accessible from a like a technology standpoint. And also like a humanized brand knows its why. So if you are thinking about your branding, I think first and foremost, brainstorm what your why is. What is the bigger picture that you are getting up every day to do work for? And then I would say, you know, like in terms of how to make it feel approachable, that is, again, super subjective. But I, I really do think it can nail down to color choice, font choice. And again, looking at other examples like on Pinterest or things that strike you as like, oh, that looks neat. It's sometimes it's hard to like articulate why you like it so much, but there's there can be something about it that resonates. And so I think really taking stock of those feelings as you have them when you're looking at other branding for inspiration is important. Hey, don't mean to interrupt. It's gonna be really quick, but we have a message from our sponsors. By the way, hope you love what you're hearing so far. Now from our sponsor. Hey, it's Alexi McKinley. I'm your host of this podcast and also the sponsor of this podcast because I own UpWest Social and PR. For all my business owners out there, are you looking to grow your brand, expand your reach, become the number one top trusted source in your industry and continually have a funnel of new clients to work with? If you said yes to any of these questions, it's time you join the Be Your Own Publicist program or as I like to call it, BYOP. This is an eight-week hybrid program where you will learn the ins and outs of doing your own PR, essentially becoming your own publicist. For more information or to join, hit the link in the show notes below. Now back to our scheduled programming. Ooh, that's interesting. To take note of the feeling that the brands give you. I've ever done that. Like, I'll, I'll pull through, like, Dutch Bros or Starbucks or something, and I'm never, I'm never like, how does this make me feel? You know, but... It would be really good to like get in tune with my body and my senses and my emotions when I'm experiencing these brands because I'm sure that I have picked up something from Starbucks or Dutch Bros or whatever from just experiencing their brands. Like I'm sure there's something that I've done in my own business that has subconsciously taken something from them. Totally. It's it's very subconscious, I think. Uh, Yeah, I don't think you're alone that it's not on the like front runner of your mind going through these things. But yeah, it happens all the time. Like even just, you know, scrolling through Instagram, you know, there have been brands that have been like, oh my gosh, I actually clicked and bought something on Instagram. Like I'd never do that. But that one in particular really like kind of pulled at my heartstrings or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. I feel like I just need to go through everything. I I just (laughs) feel like we need more time in the world to really figure out what our brand should look like. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. And it also is very, it's easy to get frustrated to or be scared of committing to a look. I, you know, like to say that, you know, you don't have to be super anchored to the final product. I think every two years, you know, it's healthy to look at your logo or look at your branding and be like, you know, what feels out of date to me? What? So, you know, it's, it's an evolving thing. Wow. Okay. So I I have that fear and now Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, what would you say to someone like me? Who's like very still in the, the depths of like, what do I even want this to be? What do I want it to look like? Where do I want to go? Like, I, I truly do feel that fear of like, I'm just going to want to rebrand next year. So why would I spend 10 grand 
on a rebrand. Right. right? Sure. I, I totally feel you. I would say, you know, for someone, if you, if you don't have 10 grand to put towards big project, which I mean, I know talented designers that that's what they charge, but you don't have to go to that level to, you know, have a really powerful real brand. So what I would suggest to you is like, start a Pinterest board of, and flag things, save them to your board that you like, whether it's, you know, oh, I like this uh, color palette. Had never thought about putting, you know, neon green and beige together, but I really like it. Or just, just save things and then, and don't think about it too hard. And then, you know, come back and look through it maybe a week later and favorite, like your top five things on there. And there's designers out there that are, you know, also there to give you advice and feedback. So you could reach out to a designer that maybe they do offer a, you know, a $10,000 service, but most of the time they have lower offers, whether it's, you know, a consultation or they're good at asking the right types of questions to get thinking. So I would say Pinterest, you can engage a designer for like a, a consultation or play around on Canva. If you, I don't know if you have a Canva account or I know there's a free level, but there's a lot of neat ideas in there. And once you create sort of a, a base feeling, then you can look into hiring a designer if you want, or if you want to do it DIY, I think Canva is great. That's a good place to start. That's, that's really powerful though. Just getting your senses involved, looking, getting inspiration, color palettes, even if they're from just like photos of random people and then one's like a sidewalk and then one's <laughs> somebody the wall and then the other you know like whatever sticks out to you I love like putting it all together in one place sleeping on it and then coming back and then being like okay what so what do I actually like now with this fresh like what sticks out now yeah okay so one thing I want to ask you about on one of the things that you had sent over I think maybe Mm -hmm. maybe you're person jamie's she has a podcast person for her so she's really she's (laughs) seriously something on here that really sparked my interest actually two things one of them being the imposter syndrome from not having a design degree and then the other was about humanizing tough topics i feel like both of those really quick before we wrap up even though we can go very deep quickly but like imposter syndrome let's start there can you talk a little bit about the imposter syndrome that you have from not having the a design degree yes yeah totally i still struggle with this i've definitely grown through a lot of it but yeah i it's very hard to stand in your shoes confidently sometimes when you easily can compare yourself to people that have gone to some amazing schools or gone through some amazing programs and had um, really great teachers, instructors, and mentors to be like, wow, I, how can I stand in the same room as them and hold myself the same? It, it's just very easy to have that like gremlin voice in the back of your head to be like, you don't really count as a designer because you don't have this on your resume. But that is, I've like come to very much feel, I feel really passionate about helping people work through the imposter syndrome that they have because so much of it is like you are, I very much feel like you are what you do Some in a lot of ways and not just as like a job, but like how you spend your time is such a strong reflection of, of who you are. And so by putting in the work, by showing up, 
for the things you want to learn, whether it's, you know, oh, I want to learn how to use this website design tool or, oh, I want to learn illustration or get better at this. Like that alone, I think is what really matters. What really, so no matter if you've gone through a program or whether you've like spent time, spent your evenings like learning, that stands very strong. Yeah. Well, I love that you're, you're taking, you're taking the shame away from it by talking about it. And Mm -hmm. what that does is people listening to this that are like, you know what, I've always wanted to open this company about like, I don't know, designing balloons or something like becoming a balloon balloon arts designer. They're like, but I have no design experience. I like, who the hell am I to think that I could open a company and do this or become like a cookie designer? You know, those like sugar cookies, people like, you don't have to go to culinary school to make freaking cookies for people and make them look amazing and sell them. You don't have to go to design school to make a really freaking sick graphic and then sell it to someone. I resonate with you so much on this because I do PR and mm-hmm. I didn't go to school for public relations. I have my degree in communications. Wow, I am on yeah. a roll times today. <laughs> yes. But you could easily say, oh, well, Lexi's like, she's not somebody who I should work with because she hasn't worked at a PR agency. You know, mm-hmm. when in reality, I know that the number one baseline boiling point for PR, whether you're going to be successful or fail, is the quality of your relationships. Mm-hmm. Right? So once you get, once people figure out their secret code, there's no secret code, but once you figure out how to do it, yeah. I think you can be you want like of course there's things you have to be technical about let's say if you want to be a surgeon it's probably good (laughs) if you go to school to do that but when we're talking about social media marketing graphic design pr construction like most of the fields out here you can be self-taught you can be Mm self-trained and honestly the best teacher is the school of life the school of feeling and then figuring out what you're going to do different next time and i think that's better any degree can teach you. Hell yes. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I love that epic failing the school of life. It is so true. So Mm -hmm. true. And you know, people, you can start small. You don't have to make a drastic change to become like the ultimate cookie, cookie designer, cookie maker. Like just, just try, just start by trying like, Bake, bake a batch of cookies, what what worked well, what didn't. Don't kick yourself too hard because you're trying, you're doing it. Yeah. And honestly, everything is a skill that can be developed. Yes. Everything. And let's let's go back to the more extreme example. If you want to be a doctor, the first time that you operate on someone, you're probably not going to be very good. I think it but, goes for everybody. You know, you yeah. get better with time. Yeah, exactly. Okay, second topic. How to humanize tough topics. This is something that I'm interested in because I was very anti-cancel culture. And Mm. I felt like for a minute there, a lot of people could not have a conversation. It was either you're on the left or you're on the right, or we're very polarized, we're very opposite, and there's nowhere to meet in the middle. I remember sometime, one time I read something that somebody said, agree to disagree is how more babies get killed. And I was like, oh. Oh, wow. Like that, that, come on. There's, There's so much nuance in this world. There's not one absolute on either side. Right. That's kind of like, there's my intro to that, but how to humanize tough topics. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's definitely not easy, but I'd say it is a matter of A, the content, like the words that you're using. I think that is huge. There are always by starting with starting with a person's story, I think is probably one of the best ways to start in humanizing a tough topic. 
and multiple people's stories. Because once you get to know, when you actually start feeling connected or, or that you can picture this person, be in their shoes, that that's a huge start to humanizing a tough topic. Mm-hmm. Also, like, I mean, just being such an aesthetic person, it's it goes as little, you know, down to the super granular things of like, you know, don't use all caps and like all these exclamation points to, to get your headline across. Like, like there's a like an aesthetic tone you can have with tough topics. Like I helped design this curriculum for teachers in North Carolina that are teaching high school and middle schoolers about sex trafficking, which is like such a heavy topic for anybody, but also like, how do you present this to kids to educate them in a healthy way and also like very sensitive way yeah. So that they know the red flags to look for if they're, you know, in a community that might have people that are looking for someone to victimize or exploit. So it was a long project, but having the, you know, having really educated people on your team about whatever hard topic it is, is huge. The people writing this content were social workers and professors that had been working in this field for, you know, decades. And so that's super important. They also were working with survivors on the content also, getting their feedback, making sure that they're like leading the team. So that's that's also part of it. But, you know, it's having culturally sensitive content. It's like having, you know, in a, like a, a photographer that is not photographing the subjects in a way that is exploitative or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of showing their inner personhood. All those things tie into how to humanize a tough topic. Oh, I really like that. When you said about making the graphics for a tough topic, I was like, never even crossed my mind that that, like you I've seen the, the kind of brochures and whatnot, mm-hmm. but I never thought about the design of it. That, yeah. that crossed my mind. That's so deep to me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's really important. I'm really passionate about that stuff because it's not like you're a genius. I hope so. I'm I'm intimidated to say like yes, but I do. That is my zone of curiosity. I'll say that. Ooh, I like that <laughs> zone of curiosity. Oh well, yes. If you're curious about it, then you're a genius about it because then you'll re- you'll spend all your free time researching it. Right. Because you're so you curious. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know what? I think I actually have a project for you if you're ever interested oh. in doing like a training for my BYOP, which is be your own publicist. I think it'd be cool if you did a whole graphic design training in there about like setting your brand up for lots of visibility. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. I would love to do that. I'm going to message you after this. But before we go, this topic so interesting to me. I feel like we could really like snowball on this, but I think we can, we can dive deeper into this in, in another time. Maybe we should do an Instagram live or something too, but oh, that'd um, be awesome. okay. We're going to have to, cause I'm like, I have so many ideas now, but where can people find you and how can they work with you? Great question. So everybody can find me on Instagram. My handle is miss Jamie Marcus and 
I also have my business Instagram, pageless.studio. You can also find me at on my website, which is pageless.studio or jamiemarcus.com. They both lead to the same place. And yeah, totally don't be shy. I love getting in touch with people and just seeing if I'm a good fit for, for what they have in mind. Yes. Oh, you guys, I pulled up her. Your website is, I'm obsessed. Oh, <gasps> thanks. No, seriously, you guys, you need to go look at her website. Like from a computer, it is so intuitive. And like, as you scroll, the words move. And like, once you stop, they stop moving. And there's this little like, say hi button. And it spins as you, the, I'm obsessed with this. Oh, thanks. Okay. You should not have any imposter syndrome because this is literally one of the best websites I've seen. Oh man. Well, thank you. That, you know, means a lot. Oh my gosh. Okay. It has right. fun spinny oh, things. I know. See, it's, it's very intuitive. Like it's very, it's a sensory thing for me. That's cool. I'm, like, I'm getting, my attention is being pulled in so many directions. It's not even like the words, it's the, how it moves. And then I'm like, well, what does it say? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. You guys, I hope you love this episode. Make sure to connect with Jamie on social media and look at her website. Oh my gosh. And let me know what you think about this podcast uh, by emailing. Wow. Emailing me. Amazing. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Hey, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us in the lounge today. Don't forget to share some love in the reviews, connect with us on social media and subscribe so you never miss a beat. And can you do me one last favor? Send me a DM on Instagram so I can say, hey, I would love to get to know you more. Until next Tuesday, we'll see you then.